Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rush nerds, unite. It's the Ludini Rock and Rush Podcast. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. All right, everybody, welcome back to the first ever Ludini Rock and Rush podcast. Wait, wait, if it's the first ever, how can they? How can you be welcoming them, welcoming them back? Well, usually people tune in for the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, but that's, that's not what you're hearing. No, tonight you're hearing the Ludini Rock and Rush Circus. We're going to be all Rush. This is a podcast series we're going to be doing uh, monthly, not weekly. Right. So we will right. devote an entire podcast to Rush once a month. For the time being, and to see how you guys like it, and if you guys like it, we will keep doing it. If you don't like it, well, you can kiss my ass. We're gonna do it anyways. Um, so, anyways, welcome back, everybody. Uh, you can go to ludinirockandrollcircus.com to find out more about the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, the Ludini Rock and Rush Circus, and all mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. therein. Um, check that out because there's all kind of uh, merchandise and things like that there as well. Um, go to rockrageradio.com, download the free app. To get uh, great music programming, Rush or not. Sure, sure. 24-7, rockrageradio.com. Download the free app. And please uh, visit our brother, Chris Thunderwolf Dotson at Wolf's Wolfie. Customs. Wolf's, check check them out. Wolf's Customs does amazing custom artwork on your musical instruments. So please find them on social media. Hit them up. Tell them Ludini sent you. Yeah. Speaking of Ludini, we have Mr. Pittsburgh in the, in the studio, live in the studio this week. Hey, Ian's guys, what's happening? You know, Lou, maybe the listeners don't know this, but uh, our good friend Lily V6 lives in the apartment below me. And when I came home today, I saw her car out front. And I got excited thinking maybe Lily I'm lo- waiting V6 for her to pop in. We left the door unlocked. And would she's come here. for this special rush podcast and then i remembered something what did you remember yeah she's not a big rush fan and she hates rush yeah she doesn't so hate them, but no but she, it's, it's not one of her favorites absolutely, absolutely. yeah it's so not, i figured well maybe not it's not it's not one of her favorites there you know uh we are we argued we argued we discussed a lot of different ways we can go how to go about this mm-hmm, so we're gonna mm-hmm. be doing different uh, episodes like we're gonna devote one to Neil Peart, yes. we're going to devote one yes. to Getty Lee, sure. to Alex Lifeson. We are going to talk about the different albums. Yes. We're going to talk about the tours mm. in terms of the amazing. Like we're going to maybe we should go through and uh, do a podcast on the different uh, stage setups that. Oh, there had you go. And yep, how that has grown. Because, I mean, it's like yes. such a big part of what <clears throat> Rush sure. is about on, on the live uh, Rush experience. Yes. Um. So we're going to be hitting on a lot of different things. We are going to talk in depth about the albums, but we were like, do we start at the beginning? Do we kind of tell yeah. like the rush story from the beginning? What do we do? So what we decided to do today was to 
revisit an album that we visited on the circus not too long, well, I don't know, about a year or so ago. Um, because this is the album that really put Rush on the map in terms of pop radio. Yes. Yes, 2112 was like their big breakout. Mm-hmm. And that's what like solidified them as a classic rock touring, right. you know, juggernaut that yes. was going to, you know, they, they were set at that point. But what really broke them on pop and rock radio was the album Moving Pictures. Correct. And it's so funny because almost every band has an album like that. Metallica has the Black Album, yep. right? You know yep. what I mean? Like yeah. th- there's, there's the, you know, uh, there's all these different bands that you know have put an album 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 right. yeah kansas has left overture sure ario yeah. speedwagon high infidelity. high infidelity yes you know exactly so uh so this is the album that that just you know made out you know they came out and put all those classic songs that we love over and over and over. They play uh-huh, get played uh-huh. every day. There's you don't go you don't listen to rock radio, a heritage rock station like WDVE in Pittsburgh, uh, without hearing <clears throat> the following songs at least once a day. Yes, Tom Sawyer. Sure. Limelight. Yes. YYZ. Sure. You know those are yeah, like they're there. They're always Staple. there. They, that's like they're in regular rotation to this day. All these years later, this is this album came out in 1981. This is 2023. Yeah. And you do the math. These, all these years later. So we don't have to. You do the math, so yeah. we don't have to. We have a college professor in the, uh, in the <laughs> yes. audience who can do the math. So She's actually checking her phone calculator right now. Tom. Tom. Tom? Tom. Tom Tom? Tom Tom Sawyer the Tom Tom song. opens yeah. up the album. But yes. before we get into all that, do you want to maybe kind of, you got a little bit of a ba- little bit of background on the album or something you want to? Well, did we did we pull up? Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, have, we were talking about the album cover. Well, when we can first talk about the album like, cover in a minute. We can okay. get into that right. in sure, a minute. Sure, sure, but sure. But maybe we will do this. We'll do it this way. Okay. First. All right. This is so, also new it, to us. Yes. Well, we're, we're also excited. doing. Usually, we do all kinds of BSing in the beginning. We're trying to no. discipline ourselves to just talk about the topic. Let's just get right we're, into on, it. <laughs> on 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 these on this series here. We're gonna right, just right. we're gonna stick right to this. So there's no what this day and what the Beatles did. And, no. You know, I'm not gonna no. talk about the gazillion no. movies I watch because I have no life. Um, <laughs> Moving Pictures is the eighth studio album by Canadian rock band Rush. Oh. February 12th, 1981 on Anthem Records. That Anthem is a great song by Rush, by the way. Exactly, right? Yes, yes. Uh, After touring to support their previous album, Permanent Waves, Mm -hmm. the band started to write and record new material in August of 1980 with longtime co-producer Terry Brown. No relation to James Brown. You know, know, how that make you feel? James Brown was not in the studio during the making of the song. That would have been awesome, though. Would Wouldn't it have been amazing. awesome if, like, this was Rush when James Brown like guested on a couple of tracks? <laughs> that'd be that would just be that'd be like that'd be the shit. Uh, they continued <laughs> to write songs with a more radio-friendly sound, mm-hmm. featuring tighter and shorter song structures compared with their earlier albums. Moving Pictures received a positive reception from contemporary and retrospective music critics. Those are the people that like. Uh, when the internet came out, they could write blogs. They didn't uh-huh. have to be published right. in a magazine. Right, right. So that's what these retrospective critics are. And became an instant commercial success, reaching number one in Canada, number th- three in both the United States and the United Kingdom. It remains Russia's highest selling album in the United States with five million wow. copies sold. 
Limelight, Tom Sawyer, and Vital Signs were released as singles in 1981, and the instrumental YYZ mm -hmm. was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rock Instrumental Performance. Rush supported the album uh, on tour from February to July of 1981. That isn't a very long tour, is it? That is not. Now, today, the artists are grinding it out for three years. Exactly, right? At a time. <laughs> wow. Um... This is uh, what was so interesting about this record, and I've said this so many times, is that they took what what used to take them like six, seven, eight minutes to do on a right, song. Right. They found a way to do like in four, yeah, four to five yeah. minutes. There's a lot that happens in a song like Tom Sawyer. There's a lot. There's a lot they, going on. Yeah, there's they, all kind of different they took parts. Twenty one twelve and shrunk it all down yeah. into like a four or five minute format. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really impressive. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, even 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 they said, you know, after after you had things like twenty one twelve and you had uh, uh, hemispheres and stuff. At that point, they're like, you know what? Mm, we really enjoy exploring music and things like that, but we want to go a little simpler, a little more, you know. Well, I, I what I, yeah. And, yeah. and they were also li listening to um, a, the police. The police the were police. a band. They absolutely yes, loved yes. In fact, Stuart Copeland and Neil Peart became very good friends. Yeah. Um, so, so which, which is, a, you if you listen to Permanent Waves... Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff sure. on there that a lot like, of reggae. Yeah, yeah, there was all based. kind of you yeah, know the yeah. the the uh, that whole like uh, the words of the prophets were written. Uh -huh. You know that song that that right, very right there has got a very you know police. Yeah, new wave ish kind of. It's it's I hear yeah. that I hear um, the riff kind of reminds me of maybe something that the cars you know mm -hmm. might do or exactly. something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it has that sort of thing in it. Um, even then, that is a much more truncated type song. You sure, know, more succinct. Sure. More succinct. Uh, you know, not like you know the side one of twenty one twelve. Exactly. Which, right? but but that was so interesting because on twenty one twelve, like that whole side thing is what sold it. People oh, exactly. like loved that, the story. Wow. It was like, yeah, exactly. You know, and people were like, and you know, that was a different era. That era. That was the mm. mid seventies and. That people like that longer form. Mm -hmm, that they were mm -hmm. they were in that. You know, we did a um, a podcast on concept albums. Well, you know, twenty one twelve. Half of it is a concept. Oh, exactly. Is is yeah. a concept. Yeah. Do you know how far back concept albums go? By the way, we were way off. Really, we were way off. Woody Guthrie, I believe, has a concept album from like wow. nineteen thirty nine. Wow. Yeah. Is something like yeah, we'll talk about it on another. Wow, that's we'll, crazy. we'll have to revisit that yeah, topic. We were a I, uh, off. I got yeah. an education this week on that, oh, but um, but that really people now and of course side two of was so interesting because side two twenty one twelve is all like okay well, now we're just gonna play some rock songs right exactly including my favorite Rush song which is. Uh, uh, Passage to Bangkok. Passage to Bangkok. That's my yep. absolute favorite. Yep. Um, if you can't figure out why, you can. I'll let you I'll like trains. I do. But in June 1980, the band ended their 10 month tour of the United States to support permanent waves. The mm -hmm. tour was a commercial success for the group, becoming their first, uh, uh, the first in their career to earn a profit. So they worked oh so, I mean, these guys have been together for years. I mean, there is a really bizarre video, by the way, Kevin and I watched. You want to talk about it? 
with Alex Lifeson. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So this is very interesting. Uh, man, when was that? When was, was that, that done? Was, they were just starting. They were just starting. It was, so it was I, probably very early seventies. Yeah, like yeah, 72, probably, 73. yeah, yeah. They were just starting. Yeah. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, this was a documentary on the youth of Canada in the early seventies, and it just so happened that one of the people featured in the documentary was this young kid. What was he about? 17 18 like years that. old yeah. he was he was trying to convince his parents to let him skip the last year of high school so exactly he's got to be, so 17, be 17 18 uh, a young alex lifeson he's got the he's the, it's the yeah the long stringy hair and his parents are like please just finish school we understand your music is important to you but you need something to fall back on and alex is like well you know look <laughs> i'm not going to university i'm not going to further my education he goes i really like this music and i really like doing this music and uh, i'm not out to make a lot of money i just want to be happy and make my music and and lou and i are watching this little documentary and we're like almost yelling at alex's dad going dude don't you understand that's that's alex lifeson and lou's like <laughs> lou's like yeah at the time though it wasn't alex it was some, it was some he was some 17 8 year old snot kid. kid yeah and he was kind of a snot nose he was he, he wasn't was like, being very you know he's like, you never give me a chance to do what i, I want. never get through anything like, ah, it was man. hilarious it was great yeah, it was like we found out though that he at that point was a father at that yeah point. he had a kid well i didn't realize he had a kid when yeah, he was just a teenager. i mean like there wasn't any details uh, given about that but he gets like pissy about yeah. the kid's mother and everything i was Not, it's yeah, very bizarre it's very interesting I'm yeah, like, yeah it's really no so if you want to hear some weird but but it kind of puts some perspective into what his parents were saying you know what look you got a kid you know, and uh, you need something to fall back on. And you, you it know, takes them seven on. albums to, before they make a profit. Yeah, I know. That's so, what I was just thinking. You know what I mean? But, you know. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, but that is not uncommon in any business, by the way. A lot of people say that, like, you don't make you don't make a profit in your first five, to five six, seven years. Right. So it's right. not, you know. So that's, you know, in any case. But they were continuing. They were like, how are you going to live? You know, they were giving the mm-hmm, whole thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh uh, during their stop in New York City a month prior, the band decided to uh, scrap plans for a second live album in favor of making a new one in the studio. Cliff Bernstein of Mercury, Mercury Records suggested the idea to the band, and Neil Peart was particularly enthusiastic about the new ideas that were being developed at the sound checks and was keen to put them on tape. So something, if you don't know about Rush, is like they were... Th- you know the, the reason it's we have in our opening thing you know rush nerds unite is because the first rush nerds were alex lives and yeah. kenny lee and neil Peart. Yeah. i mean like yeah. these guys instead of partying you know what i mean or whatever or like you know they're like writing new songs i got this great idea you know yeah. they're like yeah. you know they're you know their sound checks would be the jam sound, sessions. Wait, wait, they would, their sound checks would be jam sessions, but yeah. they were like they were writing sessions. You know, they were yeah, like exactly. they would write while they were on tour. Exactly. You know, and they would you know cut, you know write down these. Oh, this, that was good. I like that I like part that, that you did. Yeah, you know, that. add that. Let's keep this part. You know. Um, uh, so, uh, so Getty Lee and Alex uh, caught on to Neil's enthusiasm. The trio. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, the trio pitched the idea to their manager and producer who had already mapped out a two-year plan for them but agreed mm-hmm. to the change and canceled the schedule. The schedule. The schedule. Lifeson looked back on this change of plan as the most important 
important one. I have something in front of the screen. Uh, they kind of just clicked that off anytime. That's it's so beautiful. Much easier I to like read, that. You know, you know, wow. <laughs> Modern technology. Um, he uh, Lifeson looked back on this change of plan as the most important one in the band's history. Since the decision to record 2112 and 76, which became their breakthrough hit, uh, prior to starting on the album, Rush followed uh, fo- joined fellow rock band Max Webster to yes. play on Battle Scar, a track for their album, Juve, uh, Universal Juveniles. During the sessions, their lyricist, Pai Dubois, suggested a song that he thought suitable for Rush. This was, was what developed into Tom Sawyer, the opening track on Moving Pictures. So we're going to get into, we're going to go we're track by track bit, here. Yeah, yeah, and talk about minute. that. Um, we started with, we did start the show. Because we we're going to go track by track, I didn't want to... You know, start jamming out on Tom Sawyer before we started. So I did the lesser known, but equally as awesome. Yes. Red Barchetta. Red Barchetta. Red Barchetta. Red Barchetta. It is Barchetta. Barchetta. But it's Barchetta. I have to take a big Barchetta this morning. Oh, my god! It goodness. came out sideways. Ah, did it uh, very hurtful to you? <laughs> it, uh, it, I had the too much salami over the weekend. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, so <laughs> let's go ahead. All right. Do you have notes on you? Want, I do I know, have. You notes. have a whole thing. Okay. I got so some let's shit talk. To let's talk, talk about. Hey, 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 I'm shocking. You should Tom Sawyer on for lunch. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's um, talk about some Tom Sawyer. All right. So we had talked. You you briefly mentioned. Look, old fashioned paper. I got paper. I actually wrote it down on paper. So you talked about Pie Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois. So, pie. Pie. Charles Mousse. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know why we're doing this. Souffle. Souffle. Ooh la la. Isn't that dumb? Wait, hold on. There we go. Victor Borga. Did you ever see Um. Did you ever see Top Secret? Years and years ago. Well, they they go to France yes. to meet the French resistance, yeah. and he the, like the what, the the one guy's name is Soufflé, oh, and the other really? guy's name is Croissant, oh, and the yeah. black guy's name is Chocolate Mousse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, if you've never seen that sick, movie, you should watch it. But go ahead. Sick, sick. All right, so Tom Sawyer. Uh, so Tom Sawyer is not only uh, inspired from, of course, Mark Twain and the story. Okay, well that's what I was gonna say. Who was Tom Sawyer? I don't care. Okay, I, don't care, I think that there's some. But go ahead. But all right, but uh, but uh, also Canadian poet and lyricist, Pie Dubois. Uh, du Bois worked with the band, as we had mentioned, Max Webster. Uh, for those of those folks who know Kim Mitchell, Kim was in Max Webster, and Max Webster, the band, and Rush. Very good friends, toured a lot together. Uh, you know, uh, did a lot of shows together and whatnot. Anyway. Pi sent a poem to Neil. Pi. Pi sent a poem. <laughs> That's silly. He sent a poem to Neil with then the hopes... he sent a chocolate pie. Chocolate mousse pie. Mmm, delicious. Uh, he was hoping to do some sort of collaborating with Neil uh, on a song. Now, the original draft of this poem was... Get this. Listen to this. You ready, Lou? You ready? You ready? The name of the poem? Louis the Lawyer. Louis the Lawyer. Today's Louis Lawyer guitar on you. Yeah, I can hear it. You can hear it? Yeah. Uh, now, some some uh, uh, articles cited as uh, Louis the Warrior. No, it was Louis the Lawyer. Anyway, so uh, Neil, of course, took the uh, poem. He massaged the idea a little bit, taking some lines out, putting some lines in. And he, re- he, he really liked the idea of, like, Tom Sawyer, the whole Tom Sawyer story. So he renamed it Tom Sawyer. 
Um, you've got some shit on Tom Sawyer. Why don't we? You well, talk real about quick, it? real yeah. quick, like for those of you, because I know I don't believe this is taught in school anymore. No. Uh, it's an, a story. Of, uh, Tom Sawyer is an orphan. This is from Aww. the sto- from the, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain in, from eighteen seventy six. Uh, Tom Sawyer is an orphan who lives with his Aunt Polly and uh, half-brother Sid in the town of St. Petersburg, Missouri. Mm. Sometime in the 1840s, a fun-loving boy, he frequently skips school to play or go swimming. When Aunt Polly catches him sneaking home late on Friday evening, she discovers uh, that he's been in a fight. She makes him whitewash her fence, and the next day uh, the next day is punishment. So he's this kind of... Um, Carefree, yes, uh, adventurous young man, sure. You know who, uh, you know, he gets in some trouble, but he, it sort of all works out in the end. Exactly. Um, and um, so that has definitely that idea is sort of in the lyrics. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, and I think it's something that like um, you know, well, like you said, may not be taught today in today's uh, you know schools, but. Back in our day, everybody knew about Tom Sawyer. They knew that he was kind of a carefree guy. He used his wits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what Neil was going for. You know, something that we could identify. You, we may not know, all know Louis the lawyer, but we at that time we all knew who Tom Sawyer was. So perfect. Yeah. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. So we didn't that like that chord progression right there. I mm-hmm. did not get set up to use the guitar, um, but maybe we will incorporate that in the future. Uh, but that chord progression right there, those four chords or whatever, are very unusual. That is not the chords for like um, "Love Me Do," right? Or um, you know, trying to be good, trying to be good, yeah. or or even they're not. It's not really even like the chords for that would work. Like you know, the, like that we heard in something like "Running with the Devil." Uh-huh. This is like it sounds more tonally acceptable. Remember we talked about the Devil's yes, Interval and all that. Yes. Um, this is kind of like that in the sense that, like at the time, it really sounded really radical. But because there's been so much music has happened since, and so many bands have imitated. Tool yeah. is a band yeah. that's like has that kind of harmony and chord changes and stuff going on all the time. So we're so you we're already kind of accustomed to that. Right. But at that time, when this comes out, yeah, this was really like crazy. Like, what the hell kind of song is this? Right. You know. And, and at this point, we're used to like, um, uh, like real rock and roll stuff lead guitars heavy chords and stuff and that opening those that opening bar what the hell is that you say yeah, it's it's really let's just, just give it another listen real quick yeah yeah And then it resolves back to the one chord, the whatever the one chord in that chord progression right, right, is right. before the singing comes back in. And at this time, 1981, there's not a whole lot of synthesizer and 
rock, heavy, especially heavy, heavy rock, rock, especially in heavy rock, right? So in that opening, uh, that by the way uh, was <laughs> originated from Geddy Lee playing around with his new Oberheim OBX synthesizer. So um, yeah, that's where that comes from. But yeah, it's it, it like kicks you in the face. It sounds sounded like nothing on the radio exactly. then, and it sounds like nothing on the radio now. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I think a, I think you can hear where Tool was definitely sure. influenced by by this. You know, there's a there was a TV show on. It might still be on called the Gold the Goldbergs. Have you have you heard of I've it? I've heard of it. Yeah, where the kid like videotapes his entire life and stuff. And there is an episode where his older sister somehow gets into like a fight with this kid who's wearing a rush t-shirt and he's he's like us and she's like into all the you know bubble gummy stuff he goes come over to my car and they get in the car and he puts the cassette in and the opening to and it's so funny what they did the whole camera the whole scene goes askew <laughs> and the look on her face is just magical and she's like oh my god what is this and she becomes a rush fan right then exactly it, it was just so this, this song converted a lot of people yeah this, yeah. this song converted a lot Very of people. So. people okay i'm gonna sh- really show people roller skated to this song and it kind of comes back and does the sort of what they do in the intro again and then he adds this awesome thing right here. Yeah. What the hell is that? Okay, now we have to talk about this. 1.21 gigawatts. That's, that's exactly. The, what is that? That is so we're gonna, cool. We're, I need to talk about the lyrics here. All right, go ahead. Okay. Because I, you know, did you guys ever do this? Did you ever like grow up singing your own lyrics? Sure. And like you didn't know. now. It doesn't matter right. that you looked it up online in the online online thing. The internet says that it's one thing. You heard it as these lyrics, and you, and they, and you love way. those lyrics, <laughs> and you still sing it that way. Right. And that is the case with this song right here. Right here. Um, okay. Today's Tom Sawyer. He gets high on you when the space he invades gets. He gets by on you. Um, oh no! I heard that as. Today's Tom Sawyer, he gets high on you when the spacey invader gets by sure, on you. Sure. Without okay. Thing going like, on and, there, I, nice. and, and then what Ooh. does he play? Listen to, listen to this. If, does this not sound like something from a video game? Yes. That sounds exactly like yeah. something from a video game. Yep. I mean, okay. even that sound give, is almost like a video, like game, a video game sound. Yeah. I mean, if those aren't the words, they should be the fucking I'm words. Gonna, I'm going to give you that one. They should be that, that because that's exactly what that yeah. sounds like. Okay. And so when I hear, and I think that the, I think that the, that lyric works because it kind of brings like a kid like Tom Sawyer into the, <laughs> the 1980s. modern age. Yeah. Well, he's going to play, age, yes. he's going to play video games. He's going to play Spacey Invaders. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when the spacey invader gets by on you, yeah. why not? Yeah, exactly. I'll give you that one. And then the guitar joins him right uh-huh. here. And this thing, this is insane. I mean, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, exactly. I mean, this solo, like. There, you know, this is not like <laughs> this isn't like a Jimmy Page. No, 
or uh, right? Peter Frampton. No. You know, like those guys, like, all those guys would even know what the guys fuck are to do. Out there. Yeah, what I don't are they think they doing? would know what to do if, yeah. if, if, you know, they said, okay, we, they brought like Peter Frampton says, we know, we have a song here. It's called Tom Sawyer's a Breakdown. Right. Why don't you play solo over it? Like, I, I mean, this, is, this, this. It, this does not sound like. Then all of a sudden. So the, so the riff for the, for the solo is the Space Invader riff. The bass is holding that down. That's what. What in the hell? Yeah. That's insane. I think that there is actually, I could be wrong about this, but I think this is, he plays a Jimmy Page lick here. That. Yeah, that sounds like something from like Heartbreaker or something like that. He is a big Jimmy Page fan, by the way. So when it it comes to this solo, Alex said that he didn't go into the song with a planned solo. And what you're hearing is actually kind of a collaboration of five or six solos that he did. And they went back and was like, oh, I like this they part. Com- they comped like them. That. Yeah, comp. exactly. Comping is common, especially, and in, that's the kind of thing that would, was hard to do in 1981 because they were literally cutting to cutting tape. Cutting tape, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With a, with a, uh, with exactly. a razor blade. Yeah. Um, that was very hard to do then. Nowadays, it's just a matter of duplicating <laughs> the tracks. And, sure. You know, blo- cutting you know, and pasting. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. insanely simple uh, nowadays, but... And you know what? We've talked about the synthesizers. We've talked about the guitars. We've talked about the bass. I'm going to blaspheme here. Jesus Christ, what the fuck is up with this drumming? It's not the same. I think that maybe someday Rush tries real hard to get a good drummer. <laughs> well, the other thing that like... It yeah, can, the, the, it's yeah, not the I mean, same. The, the, it's not the... But like, check out how check out the beginning. Check out the drum beat at the beginning. Yeah. It's like doom, doom, doom. Yeah, but it's not normal. It's that not is, natural. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, it's very normal. It's super it's super, it's super funky. Exactly. And it's not yeah. like okay. Yeah. Now, so you're going like, is he is he gonna like, he and. Oh man, I'm gonna say more blasphemy. That's almost like a rap, isn't it? Couldn't you? Couldn't you? Sure. Couldn't you say it like, um, "Today's Tom Sawyer, he gets high on you." What, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you could yeah, do it. Yeah, it yeah. almost has that kind of cadence yeah. to it. So were they listening to like Rapper's Delight and stuff like this? You think they heard? You think in they 1981? Li- I don't think so. They think they would have heard like Double Dutch Neil, Bus or something like that. No, I think Neil was so far ahead of his time at this point. He invented rap. He invented rap. <laughs> you could take Rush that to the inve- bank. Rush invented rap. You could rap. take that to the bank right now. Okay, so. Right. And this is just the first song of the album, folks. Listen to this. And, and like each time he does it, each time they, that comes around yeah. on the song, he does some little neat accent. And yeah, that time exactly. it's that freaking hi hat. Listen to that. <laughs> he opens that I had for that just why? that like and it's so why? it's sick that's why because yeah. he's Neil fucking Peart yes, that's exactly. why exactly 
He's like, I'm Neil Peart, bitch. And this <laughs> this little hi hat's gonna go right here, and it's gonna fit perfect. Yeah, I mean, just like this, you know, attention to detail. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the difference between Rush and bands today. Yeah. Today, bands bands today are rushing to make music and not slowing down and working out. Okay, so maybe, I don't know how many, I'm sure it's in the wiki, how many days it took or weeks or whatever to record Uh this album. But what you're probably hearing here is probably a couple of years of sound check jams right. where they went, exactly. oh, this is kind of cool. We're gonna, we, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do something with this at some point. And the, what they did was went, brought that stuff back. They brought that mm-hmm. stuff into the studio. So this isn't just, um, uh, like off the cuff or anything. Like these are like these are ideas that were like honed and you know and like done and then put on the shelf and brought back to you know, no YYZ is more of an impromptu song I yes, don't know if you know that yes yes but um but not all of these a lot there's mass attention to detail. well the, well the uh, I, I I tried to find it again but there was an article where Getty talked about that yeah. was actually a sound check thing that they would do to check the synthesizers. And like that sounds pretty cool. I like that. Why don't we keep in and exactly like you said, they brought it. It's the you know, and and that's why these guys are total nerds because like, <laughs> like that's the kind of thing nerds do. Yeah, that's really, cool. I we should really do something. That's kind of magical. <laughs> yeah, keep it. Yeah, I mean that's what. Did that, you record it? I mean that's what's like makes Rush so freaking awesome. Is yeah. they're like like three nerds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that yeah, oh, comes yeah. back in there. It's like, that's all. Right. No other rock song has it. And there's all kind of odd time and everything all yeah, over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck you, Rush. No. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Rush. Okay. So right. they. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's okay, so the album opens. That's yeah. That's with that's, that. Yeah. So like at this point, you know, if you're in a band and you're trying to break out in rock, like you hear this and you just probably want to say like, well, we're done. <laughs> yeah. That, well, why? Why? <laughs> why even bother? Why, why even bother? Why even try anymore? I heard a story that <sighs> Phil and O said that when he heard Pyromania by Def Leppard. Oh, really? Yeah. There's an interview with um um. <laughs> with Def Leppard and Vivian Campbell, both Vivian Campbell and um, Phil Cohen mm-hmm. had heard him say that. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know. So they follow it up with a little thing like this. There's a, okay. So moving pictures ends with do, 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 right. And if that's an over the bar riff, it doesn't right. e- neatly do, 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 do. Yeah, you you know it has to like it repeats like in in a weird place. Um, to Red Barchetta, which listen to the intro. So. Reminiscent of, okay. There's a little flow here. There's like a little theme. Mm-hmm. 
now this is now after that intro thing, they come in with just sort of strumming some chords. Sure. And it's sure. got more, way more of a traditional rock traditional kind, of, kind, yeah. kind of feel. Do you mm-hmm. have any notes on Red, red Bar? Red <clears throat> I, I do have a few notes. Why don't you go ahead and talk I'm about it? I'm going to talk about it. So what is a Red Barchetta? Do you know, Lou? It, it, well, it's a sports car. It is a sports car. So it's a Ferrari. Did you know that? That I did not know. It's a Ferrari. Right you are, sir. So uh, it was the first car to leave the factory in Marin. Oh, my God. Here we go. Marinello, Italy, in 1947. It was a red V12 Barchetta or Barchetta. It's called Barchetta. So this uh, particular song is inspired by the I shorts. I had the brisketta. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it delicious? It was delicious. Do you have bruschetta with uh, red onions in it? I I like the temper. Anyway, so it's inspired by the short story, A Nice Morning Drive by Richard Foster, which was published in the November 1973 issue of Road and Track. Now, here's my, and it's so funny because when I got this album, I listened to this. I'm like, I know this story because in 1974, a nice, uh, a nice morning drive happened to be in one of my readers at in fourth grade. Oh wow! As a short, it was like a series of short stories, and uh, and I remember reading that as a kid, going, "That's such a cool story!" And boom, here we are, nineteen eighty one, and this freaking rock band's getting me all excited about literature again. But see, uh, Rush, that's the kind of effect. See, like a lot of bands make you want to like go out and do drugs and you know beat your no, woman. No, not like, Rush. Rush We're, makes you want to like a, go like read stuff <laughs> yeah yeah the fountainhead you know and stuff like that and, and go back and read road road and track but yeah so that was my um uh, yeah that was my whole it thing. tells the like, story can you song. can you tell the story of the song the song the song is a story sure basically it's a story where motor cars are outlawed completely outlawed pray to lord no that, not that kind of lord no no not allowed and um, there's a there's a young man, a young fellow that knows his dad. Or, I'm sorry, his uncle has uh, uh, one of these old motor cars, and he goes and takes it for a ride every now and again. And well, the motor police will come and get you. They'll they'll you know, but uh, the motor law. So like they go from this kind of like big kind of like sweet really beautiful uh-huh. melody to do, 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 do you hear the reggae influence in the back? Yeah, I do. I do hear the reggae influence. Right. I do hear the reggae influence, but like that's a sick riff. It is a sick riff. You're a sick riff. Um. When this kicks into the check out this 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 next section is just this is just soaring rock and roll. Yes. This is so like good. Here we go. So that's how like that's like like a um uh Misty Mountain Hop or something by like Led uh-huh. Zeppelin. Uh-huh. Well like he lifes and says that Jimmy Page, that's his boy. Yep, yep. Jump 
sent those lyrics 50 odd years. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit the microphone. You know. Um, that, I mean, that's that's a really neat thing. Do, uh, do bands sure. do that now? I don't know. I mean, like a lot of music I'm hearing, I'm not hearing those little touches like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now we're cruising, mm-hmm. tops down, your hairs, if you have hair, if you have blowing hair, in the yeah. wind. It's a perfect day. I mean, that's what this song sounds like. The song sounds exactly. like the story. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, th- th- there seems to be a theme, too, with Rush where, you know, at least on, I mean, because it's on 21, this, the story of 2112, and this song is sort of about, you know, an oppressive right, right. government, you know, not allowing mm-hmm. them to drive a car or whatever. Um so it's a same thing, you know. And Tom Sawyer is about a you know uh, rebellious. Sure. So this sort sure. of idea of individuality, I think, is like was like really important to Neil. <laughs> the car really sounds like it's really running right now right yeah. and like those the, those those um uh, hits dun, dun, they build a lot of mm-hmm. like excitement yes you know what yes, i mean it's yes. just, it sounds like this just sounds like something that could be played during some kind of high-speed chase exactly mm-hmm. you know what I'm yep exactly It just really captures something. We oh, could, yeah. We could go yeah. through the whole song and just, you know, geek out, of course. And I hope you guys are enjoying geeking out with us on, <laughs> on Rush. Uh, Bill hates Rush. Um, no, he doesn't hate Rush. <laughs> Don't worry, bands. Um, <clears throat> so, anyways, let's let's move right along. Let's, let's move on. Let's Our move next on. selection. This is an interesting song, isn't it? Yes. Time signature thing yep, again. Yep. I think it's mixed meter. I could be wrong. Five and four. I mean, every Prague band uh-huh. is like, I mean, this is the start of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, all those riffs, that's like, yeah. And it, and it was a fucking hit. Yeah. You heard this on the radio. There was some, uh, there was a time when instrumental rock, like, um, instrumental music had a much bigger place on pop radio mm-hmm. um, in the 40s in the in the 50s sure, sure. You know, there were songs like that in the 60s especially with the surf yep. uh, craze yep, yep. Um, but it started to kind of go out, out of fashion 
at once the beat once the Beatles. Broke. Right, right. It became now because, we want because it made more about songwriting yes, and the lyrics yes, yes. and things like that. So a band doing. Um, you know, trying to having a getting getting a hit with an instrumental that that this became rarer and rarer uh-huh, and uh-huh. rarer and rarer. And by 1981, I don't think anybody had really had one in a while uh, for rock. For rock, I mean, yeah, I know no, that like no. uh, classical gas was mm-hmm. a, was a big hit. You know, uh, taste of honey was a big hit. Um, but I'm talking about uh, something would be, you know, on a on, like rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, this paves the way for a little bit later on, Cliffs of Dover by Eric sure, Johnson. Sure. Um, Summer Song, Summer by, song Joseph, by Joe Satriani. Satriani yeah, you know, yeah. actually a number of Eric Johnson songs. Um, but Rush is the band that kind of, you know, brings back the rock instrumental. Yes. yes. You know, it's, 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 it's great. Another very amazing. Middle, middle Eastern, very feel yeah. to it. Like, huh? Another amazing Alex Lifeson. Yes. What is that? This sounds like, like a whip, whip crack, and yeah. then I've been, then a glass shattered. Listen to it again. Oh yeah, like, or some be- or like a whip cracked, and then like like, like the, the bells, the, the, the bell, like the sleigh bell, the sleigh, like sleigh bells, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's Santa Claus. Whoa, Whoa. man! Santa Claus coming to Toronto, man. See, <laughs> wow. Then a little bit more, man, and just for Santa Claus, and a little more. Dust. <laughs> this is Santa Claus's magic dust for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd always loved how they come out of this. Uh huh. Keyboards. Real driving drum part. Uh huh. Isn't there a Phil Collins song that does something like that? There is. There's a Phil Collins or Genesis song that came after this that 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 has that type of thing in it. And yeah, they got. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have. Yeah, I've got rush in my head right now. More great guitar work. Back to that amazing Uh fucking riff, dude. Like, what do you? What are your notes on this song? Uh, just the fact that the YYZ is the IATA airport identifi- <laughs> airport identification code of Toronto Pearson International Airport. And uh, the boys have said every time they see YYZ on their luggage, they knew they were going home back to Toronto. It, uh, it goes over big in Toronto, by yeah, the way, when they yeah, put this on. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Okay. Um Oops, I could have Oops, not done that. Let's do that. All right, so let's the next one on next. Oh my yes, god! Now this go. is when albums were had sides, right? Yes. Is this open side two or this, this is end the side last one? of side this one? This end side one, okay. Yes. So the side one ends with this, like uh, a little ditty. 
Whoops, here we I want to get the volume. Get up. the volume. Wow. Now, admit it. How many of you out there right now were just playing air drums? <laughs> Mr. Pistor was playing was air drums. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, he was absolutely hitting all those things right with Neil. Like, there aren't many drummers out there that, like, you people, everybody air drums to. Mm-hmm. Neil Peart and In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Sure, There's sure. a couple. But, the, you know... Uh, I always say that, like, when you go to most rock concerts, people play air guitar to the yep, songs. Yep. When no. you go to a Rush concert, people They're play all air drums. Air drums. <laughs> yep. 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 You could, you could almost dance to it. Mm-hmm. Almost. Um, song about uh, Neil Peart's phobia <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Or discomfort, he would, just discomfort. Just, real discomfort with 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 being famous. Um, sure. Even even later later on uh, during meet and greets, it would be Alex and Getty uh, because Neil was just very uncomfortable meeting the public and. Having this adoration, he's like, I just, I just want to make good music. I don't want people <laughs> coming to my house. Apparently, yeah, yeah, apparently people would happened. show up at his house. Um, let's go ahead, and this is. Oops, I don't want to do that. Why? I, do, why because because I have like seventy nine windows open. Windows open. Yeah, yeah. I should t- turn that down so people can't hear you when you're talking. Okay, thank you. Um, so let's talk about the song. Uh, from sound from song facts, mm-hmm. the phrase "in the limelight" means the center of attention. In the early days of theater, a limelight was a device used to brightly illuminate the front of the stage, yes. which put the main performer in the spotlight. The light was made by focusing a flame at a cylinder filled with lime that was projected through a lens. Yes. Lighting technicians had to be creative before electricity. Invented by the Scottish engineer Drummond... In 1816, he used this uh, core of a limestone that was heated to uh, a glow by burning a mixture of oxygen and hydrogen, which created a brilliant light that could be focused. The limelight was first used in the theater in 1855, then became widely used in the by the 19, by the 1860s. <clears throat> the advantage of limelight was realistic light pro- production, but the limestone had to be turned as it burned, and the glass adjusted to keep the light constant. So you were hmm. busy. Oh, yeah, keeping that limelight going. Uh, drummer and lyricist Neil Peart uh, says, success puts a strain on the friendship and it puts the strains on your day-to-day relationship and it's something that we did go through, you know. We were not immune to it, but we were able to overcome it just through our closeness. And we were able to help each other with difficulties like that and then we could deal with the pressures and things like that. Lead singer and bassist Getty Lee, Limelight was probably more of Neil's song than a lot of the songs on that album in the sense that his feelings about being in the limelight 
and uh, <clears throat> and his difficulty with coming to grips with fame and autograph seekers and sudden lack of privacy and sudden demands on his time uh, was having a very difficult time dealing with that. I mean, we all were, but I think we, he was having the most difficulty of the three of us adjusting. In the sense, I think he's more sensitive to more things than Alex and I are. It's, it's harder for him to deal with those interruptions into his personal space and his desire to be alone. Being very much a person who needs that solitude to have uh, someone coming up to you constantly and asking for your autograph is a major interruption in, in your own little world. I guess in the one sense that we're a little bit like misfits in the fact that we've chosen this profession that it uh, has all this extreme hype and sort of self-hyping world that we've chosen to live in and we don't feel comfortable mm. really in that kind of role. Um, so it, there's a uh, line from Shakespeare in the song. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. All the world's mm -hmm. indeed a stage and we're yep. merely players. That's... Uh, yep. um, Which is the throwback to, to their live album, All the World's a Stage. Yes. The live album, yes, yes, yes. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, all the world's a stage is again. The, uh, so these guys the do again. Look it up. Read your Shakespeare. Yes. You'll be uh, you'll be tested on it later. Um. Anyways, um, it uh, was uh, featured in the movie uh, "I Love You, Man." Yeah. <laughs> As well, if you haven't seen, I haven't seen that in a minute. It was pretty good. That yeah, was pretty funny. Was it does the Phil Rudd and Seth? Uh, all, that, Rogan, that's, no. that's, what's his, what's that guy's Seth name? Jason 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 Siegel or Jason, something. No, Jason no. Bateman. I don't know. Not Jason Bateman. Jason Voorhees. Yes, definitely. Jason Voorhees was yes. in that. Limelight. <laughs> Neil's nervous about that. You know, notice that we did not spend much time talking about the actual music on some more about the lyrics. The lyrics. And the okay. Meaning. And this is something that, that, you know, people talked about Neil's drumming, but one of the things that I was, that caught me right away was his lyrics. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, as a songwriter, I just thought he was fucking he shit. A big brain. Yeah. So side two opens with something called Camera Eye. Yes. Now here we do stretch out a bit. We have ten minutes and fifty nine seconds. Sure, sure. They're kind of taking their time with the song. Letting you build. It's not all instrumental. No, no, they're they're all lyrics. Believe it or not, there are some lyrics in here. <laughs> Interesting limelight, which is about kind of being in the spotlight, being your attention. This, Closes the first side. Mm -hmm. The second side opens with camera eye, which is something that is used to like capture you exactly. in the limelight. Yep. So I think this is a there. We have a little bit of a theme here. Speaking of this, um, I was looking at the cover. Yes. And um, I know that this is not 
a chicken. This can't be a chicken. That's not a chicken. Oh, uh, it, it might be. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I, is there somebody tell me if there's a chicken on the cover of, or duck or something? It looks like some little critter. So now I'm gonna have to pull it up. And so, pull anyways, it up. let's talk about the cover for a second. All right, let's do that. Um. All right. Uh, oh no, it's a bag. It's a bag. It's just a bag. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. It's a bag that she has dropped. Um, Hugh Simes. Is that how you pronounce that? Oh, uh, where are we at? S Y M E. Hugh Syme. Rush. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rush's longtime art director compares album cover design to songwriting. Some concepts take ages to work out, and others arrive instantly. I'm always jealous when I hear one of my uh, favorite uh, songwriters, Donald Fagan or Joni Mitchell or Peter Gabriel or Don Henley say, I wrote that song between coffee and lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what an accomplishment. But also here they uh, herniate over other songs, taking weeks or months to bring them into focus. Mm -hmm. His vision for the prog rock trio's eighth LP, Moving Pictures crystallized as soon as he heard the title from drummer uh, lyricist Neil Peart. Conjuring visual puns, I immediately saw people moving Moving pictures. pictures. Not that Rush were immediately on board. The band didn't get it at first. I I had said to Neil, uh, we got to have some people moving pictures. And it was another one of those what kind of moments. It took a little more description uh, uh, from me to uh, fill in the details. Uh, it's a layered joke. The cover shows a crew of workers physically moving pictures, paintings of dogs playing Parker, uh, playing poker, the star man, uh, the character from 2112, uh, and a burning Joan of Arc, and a group of people being moved to tears by these pictures. Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. Move, get it? Ha, ha, ha. It's like a triple on time. They are moving. Syme originally pictured a grandiose backdrop, like a truly historic place in Europe for the photo. Instead, the crew kept uh, things local, budgets being what they were at the time. We ended up using the Ontario <laughs> legislator, legislature in Toronto's Queen's Park as a nice nod. Uh, to Rush's hometown. Pink yes. Floyd used uh, the Battersea Power Station on their animals cover, so why not? Unwittingly, there were three arches and three pillars. He adds that also became a play on Rush's triumvirate, mm-hmm. uh, the trio of elements. Yes. Uh, Rush covers <clears throat> often feature Easter eggs and in-jokes using friends and acquaintances multiple times across their catalog. One participant in Symes, Pal, Bobby King, who previously played suit-clad uh, Magritte character on Hemisphere. Yeah, he's the guy in Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, Hemisphere. Uh, yeah. Willing bear-assed character of the Starman yes. on 21. So that's him? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and the man in the uh, exits this, uh, on the wing... Uh, and the man in the stage wings on exit stage left from, from moving pictures. He shows up uh, as the prime mover. No pun intended. Ha, ha, ha. I made good use of his goodwill, the art director says, and his cheap modeling fees. Yes. I thought this was kind of cool. That uh, photographer Debris, Deborah Samuel, Deborah. Yeah. Uh, who shot the cover, pulled double duty, also appearing as Joan of Arc. Uh, that was the painting itself as a reference to the moving picture song, Witch Hunt. Uh, uh, so, Oh, and Sime played uh, synthesizer on that song. Yes. So, Sam, yes, yes. they just got hey, the whole family involved. Everybody's there, yeah. Come on in. Come on now. I thought of Joan of I thought Joan of Arc was definitely the iconic moment in history to play on. 
We couldn't find the right witch, so half a bottle of 18-year-old <laughs> McCallahan scotch, uh, some a Ronson lighter fluid and burlap and wooden poster later, I shot Deborah as the cameo witch. Necessity is the mother. Yes. Uh, the photo became uh, a little more Fellini-esque because of the overcast day after they uh, added a group of Bolshevik people to play distraught characters in the right part of the frame. Uh, they were parents of a hairdresser at Vidal Sassoon. Her parents were Russian and her father owned one of those iconic bearskin hats. <laughs> they arrived on set and they just looked the part. It was fantastic and fell into step. And I said, your groceries have just fallen. Yeah, there's a bag. Okay. Yeah. Your art museum has been pillaged and you're feeling forlorn. <laughs> when I mentioned just look as somber as Wolf was possible, immediately took out a handkerchief and started to mock weep. I thought, this, this woman's, woman's great. great. <laughs> so that is the story of the album cover. One of the Rock's most iconic album covers, yes, I yes. might add. Um, whoops. Let's go to the next thing here. So, Witch Hunt. Yes, yes. Speaking of Joan of Arc. Oh, scary. It's a very interesting song, especially in light of what's happening in our country today. The lack of tolerance for things different. The insistence that I'm right and you're wrong. Well, I am right and I'm wrong. Well, I know that. That's why I said you're right and I'm wrong. <laughs> Crazed mob. That's Oh, this is very Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. hear, I can hear Ozzy. Oh, Would you yeah. imagine Ozzy singing yep. this? The vigilantes gather on. You yep. can hear, hear Ozzy singing that, screaming that out. So this is a record, isn't a good example too, mm -hmm. um, of Getty's more like mid-range kind of voice right. and not right. so much the high, the high screaming stuff. He's thing. starting to bring it yeah, down Yeah, he's trying to bit. bring it down a bit. Um, on Tom Sawyer, he uses like all the sounds mm -hmm. that he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Including his like speaking voice. Yeah, this is one of the one of the first Rush albums to really begin to rely on keyboards more and more. And of course, that carries on into um, uh, uh, signals. And, I was going to uh, say the the, Grace the, Under the, Pressure. Fire, the fire hydrant. Yeah, yeah, signals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
much to the dismay of Alex. But nonetheless, <laughs> it worked out good, I thought. They did go through their synthesizer period. Yep. <laughs> Like I'm missing one. No. One more after this. So Witch Hunt is actually the first... Hold on, let me turn it down. Okay. I can't hear you. What? So Witch Hunt is the first of four songs in the Fear series. Uh, the Weapon from Signals, The Enemy Within from Grace Under Pressure, and Freeze from Vapor Trails. These are all actually in a series called the Fear series. This is the very first one. So there you go. Um, yep, that's it. That's it for that song. Quick to anger. And so we close out the album with Vital Signs. Yes. Which is a medical term. Oh, really? So you really hear the reggae influence, the police influence in this song. I was watching from the go, Roxanne! <laughs> but he does not do that. He, he does, does not do that. No, he does not. Do If that isn't a sort of like craft work, uh-huh. like kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like baseline mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, very new wave. Sometimes I soon get scheduled in. I always thought that that chorus part was always just really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, really, mm-hmm. really good, really, really well. They kind of really open it up. Yep. You know, uh, there. Yeah, Getty said it, it took him no time. They actually wrote this in the studio. He said we wrote it in like five minutes. He says he, he's always liked this song because it kind of shows the quirkier side, musical side of Rush, which it is. It's, it's not. Like, well, let's, let's say like, you oh. think about the words, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's got to fixed fe- mixed feelings about uh-huh. the function and the form. Yep. In other words, you know, we're like that's basically all we're kind of arguing about is the function yeah. and the form. Yeah. We all like want the same thing, but we have to deviate from the norm. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little wee bit. Let's put this album and rush. <clears throat> you know, these this, these guys are product of their um, era, right? They all they they are. Um, they 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 did enough trend. Follow, they were trendsetters and trend followers and exactly. absorbers. Yes, Ab- yes. Ab- you know, so they would they would they brought in other things. Um, 
very similar to what the, the Rolling Stones did with the blues mm-hmm. and then with like mm-hmm. R&B and even a little bit with disco, sure. pop. Um, they were, but they were able to be the Stones the whole time. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. And so Rush, it, you know, reached out and explored a lot of different things uh, throughout their career. And this is what happens as a creative person. You Most creative people, somebody like James Wan is a kind of, he's kind of an exception because he just, mm-hmm. just does horror. Stephen right. King is kind of like in that yeah. kind of, you know what I mean? And, but the most, many artists, most artists, I believe musicians want to do something new. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I've, I did that. You know, so many actors like don't want to play the same kind of part again. You know what I mean? They want to, I already did that kind of movie. I want to do this kind of movie. Um, I remember when, uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a comp, did his first comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it yeah, was like, 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 really, I never thought well, it was the case. Uh, yeah, you know, but, but I can it, see it. Artists now. want to do that. They yeah. were like, I want to do something different. I don't want to just do the same thing. You know. Also, what ends up happening when bands have a diverse um, uh, catalog like this, mm-hmm. when they play live, they have opportunity to have amazing dynamics live because they can take you in all kind of different moods and everything. And they have then they have a lot of songs to pick and choose from. Um, so then they have like a, they, they just adds to their live performance all the way around. Exactly. Um, but, um, this was the almost re, uh, band, uh, for the, for the recording went to, uh, Stony Lake, Ontario to write and arrange the new material sessions were productive. Camera eye was the first song to be worked on. Uh, was quickly followed by Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, the instrumental YYZ, and Limelight. Lee noticed a change in Peart's lyrics during this time, which had started with permanent waves towards more concise and direct words. Mm-hmm. Uh, following these sessions, Rush returned to uh, Phase One Studios with their longtime co-producer, Terry Brown, and prepared demos of the songs. The tracks were refined even further during the subsequent rehearsals for the series of warm-up shows across the U.S. in September and October 1980, during which Tom Sawyer and Limelight were performed live for the first time. Mm. So they they did a lot of reworking and reworking these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Moving Pictures was recorded at Les Studio in Morin Heights, Quebec. Um the studio was uh, fitted out with a digital 48-track machine, which was unfamiliar to the band and necessitated them spending time familiarizing with the equipment. Mm-hmm. The band, uh, the album was Brown's first digitally produced album. Uh, so this, but this was still digital audio tape. Right. Okay. It right. was not. Um, Complete digital. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like, it, they, were, they weren't, you know, working in Pro Tools. Uh, Rush wanted to preserve the quality of their recordings as much as possible by transferring film finished sections onto a fresh piece of tape and placing the original copy in storage, thereby reducing potential damage to the tape mm-hmm. um, from frequent playback. Yes. Um, there is a very famous story mm-hmm. about um, the very famous album rumors Your Fleetwood Mac with the tape got jacked up because they did so they many, like so like, many takes that so many stretched takes. the tape. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to uh, take measures, and I can't remember the, exactly what they had to do, and I don't want to digress into that. It's an interesting story yeah. if you want to yeah. look it up. Um, 
Uh, they experimented with a uh, pressure zone microphone, uh, a type of boundary microphone that picks up direct sound uh, and no reverberated signals. That was taped to Pert's chest as he played the drums. Wow. Interesting. Interesting, indeed. So that's part of the drum sound on this record. Interesting. Huh. The audio capture from it was used to pick up the ambience in the studio room and inserted into the final mix. Huh. Peart is seen wearing the microphone in the music video for Vital Signs. The okay. album was finished three days behind schedule due to delays caused by an equipment fire. Failure. There's no fire. Fire! There's no fire there. There's fire. Yeah. Rush caught on fire. They were so hot. They were so hot. They caught just on fire. caught on fire. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. It's a fire, tell you. Oh my God. So we went through all the songs and you guys can yes, you know check yes, all that yes. stuff out. Uh, but... So let's take a look back real quick before we wrap happening? up, because there was all kind of fun things happening uh, around the globe. Uh, let's yeah, put a little music on. Let's have Rush take us out with sure. this. Uh, major events that happened in 1981. This is the year that Moving Pictures was released. Yes. Uh, on uh, January 1st, excuse me, when January 19th, 1981, the Iran hostages were released. Well, you remember that? Yes. The next day, Ronald yes. Reagan was sworn in as president. Um, yes. Yeah, that was a, that was a big thing. There was a, the <clears throat> yeah. Iran a hostage they, crisis they that went on for, for what, two Ronald, years. Yeah, they waited for Ronald Reagan to be sworn in, just as an fu to Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were tired of the sauce. They knew they were never going to get anything, and they knew if yeah. they killed those hostages, that like they were going to rain down hellfire and brimstone, probably not only from the United States, but probably from England and all uh-huh. kind of people. Exactly. So they they didn't want that shit. They were just trying to find. It was like us trying to get out of Vietnam, right? It's like, uh, how do we do this? <laughs> oh my god, uh, um, Jimmy Plunk, Jim Plunkett lead led the Oakland Raiders. To 27-10 victory over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. Well, ain't that something? Um, John Hinckley Jr. Oh boy. attempts to assassinate Ronald Reagan. Yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. So yeah, crazy. 1981. Uh, for, uh, excuse me. Um, April. 12th, 1981, yes. the Space Shuttle Columbia launches, orbits Earth, and returns two days later, becoming the first successful reusable spacecraft, beginning the U, uh, the Space Shuttle era for the, for NASA. Mm-hmm. The Columbia Space Shuttle would be used in tw- un- up until 2023 when uh, it disintegrated, re-entering into the atmosphere, killing all on board. Now, this is really interesting because we just think about this. No, it was 2003. Day. That's what I said, 2003. You said 2023. No, I said 2003. Okay. Well, I meant 2023. Well, okay. I just I meant 2000. I'm like, it didn't just happen. I meant 2023, not 2003. Oh, but geez. I said 2023. You crazy. <laughs> you crazy. Everybody knows when it happened. But you're, you, That's why I got like, did I miss it? <laughs> no. Look, this, dude, let me get the story this? out. This is the funniest fucking story. Okay. So I, so we went to a show that, not, not, um, yeah, in 2023. Okay, yeah. In 20, oh, 2003, excuse me. Uh-huh. You and I were going to a show that day. Yeah. And I met you at Rosebud. Okay. And I remember, because they had that ramp that went this way and this right, way. Okay, right, We were yeah. where, standing yeah. in line to get into a show at Rosebud. I might might have been North Mississippi All-Star or something like that. Yeah. And we're standing out there talking, and you were telling me about this patient you had that day who comes in and oh, says, to you, says to you, oh, did you hear the space shuttle blow? And you thought that he was talking about 
the way the original, back, yeah, the original yeah, Space Jam. And you were yeah. like, "Oh no, shit, Sherlock!" And then you were, and and I and I looked at you and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Because I'm like, that was the only space shuttle blowing that, up exactly, I heard of. Yeah, so that's I heard about it from you. Wow, I didn't even that's know that it right. happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, I went into his room and watched watched the TV, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you you're not talking about the one from back in 1980? <laughs> was it 86 or yeah, whatever? Like that, yeah. Wow." Yeah, uh, Bob Marley uh, oh. died at the age of 36 of cancer, even though he had been, he did have an assassination attempt. Yeah, yeah, it was the cancer that got him. And speaking of assassinations, there was an assassination attempt on uh, Pope John Paul II. This is a big year for assassinations. Wow, I'll tell you. Yeah, t- uh, Turkish gun. Although, all the crazy, right? You know, some, yeah. Remember when they tried to shoot the Pope? And then after that, the Pope had to go around in like a big... Right, the, uh, with the, the mobile with the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Per, uh, the glass, the yep. uh, bulletproof glass. glass. Yeah. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark premieres. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, it, that's a cultural turning point right sure. there. Then, Don- oh, so wait, 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 I skipped one. Donkey Kong. Yes. The game is released. Wow, 1981. Yeah, 1981. Uh, on July 29th, the wedding of Prince Charles and Lady Diana. Oh, I had a feeling about those two. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, I mean, this dude, this is a crazy year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and Moving Pictures is released in this year. Uh-huh, this uh-huh. is how, you know, whether we realize a lot, but a lot of musicians, all musicians, I think, are products of their time exactly you know and this is you know rush is immersed in this this world this is what's happening in the world mtv is launched was it 81 this is what it says right here 8181 wow yeah okay might muhammad ali fights for the last time losing to trevor uh burbick Um, the top 100 songs of 81. I'm not going to read all 100, but just get a few. No, Betty Davis' yeah. Eyes was number one. Sure. Endless Love by oh, Diana Ross sure. and Lionel Richie. Lady Maybe. by Kenny Rogers. Yes. Which was written by Diana by Lionel, Lionel Richie, I believe. Okay. Uh, just like Starting oh, Over by sure. John Lennon. Yeah. Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. Yes. Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Kiss on My Lift by Hall and Oates. Yeah. I Love a Rainy Night by Eddie too, Rabbit. Eddie. Nine That's to right. Five by Dolly Parton. Sure. And, and Keep on Loving You by REO Speedwagon. We can go on and on and on and on and but on. we don't have to. But those were the biggest, top 10 biggest songs of oh. 1981 events. Where were events. you? Think yes, movies, yes. things like that. So it's like, yes. so this album comes out amid all oh, of that super off, off, awesome stuff that Crazy we grew up with. Wow. I mean, dude, like we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie theater originally when it came right? out. Right? Yep. I mean, ain't that some shit? Cheers. Cheers, buddy. So that it, that's it. Rush yeah. moving pictures, the 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 sort of like uh, 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 the quintessential quintessential cru, cr, coup de gras, tour de force, tour de force, the um, <laughs> coup de gras, the no, coup de gras, the 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 the, 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 the Captain Underpants of yes. of a their career, um, and <laughs> and sent them in all kind of directions afterwards. I mean, they yeah. they. they went very you know uh pop synth for a while mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you know they released an album like counterparts which is basically their three-piece rock power true like cream yeah, yeah. you know on that yep. record um you know so 
Yeah. Very, very fun. Check them out. If you've not listened to Moving Pictures, well, we just sort of played you the whole fucking oh, yeah. record. Don't tell, don't tell anybody we did that. Shh. We're not allowed to. So, yeah, yeah. I it's mean, okay. We talked over most of it. It's just all right. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. Uh, so you can go to uh, uh, rockrageradio.com and download yeah. the free app to hear great music programming like this and a bunch of other things 24-7, rockrageradio.com. Then go to... Uh, we're going to send you next. Oh, Wolf's, Wolf's Customs. Me. Check them out for some great... And I do mean great. Yeah. Uh, custom art, custom artwork done on your musical instrument, and LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com is our website. We have all mm. kind of fun stuff for you there. Uh, access to our uh, old um, YouTube archive, uh, all the interviews we've done. Um, what else do we have? Oh, access to our private group on Facebook. Sure. All kind of fun stuff. So check that out at LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Um, we have a good, we have a fun podcast coming up on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus oh, uh, for you next week. Yes. But uh, kept Mr. Pittsburgh and I are going to talk about that in a minute. Oh you guys my. have an awesome week, and we'll catch you all on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Take See care. See ya. Guys. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.